This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and uh, with me today, Cam Raslan, we are doing one of our occasional uh, more in-depth one-on-one interviews where we get an opportunity to, to look at a subject and, and really take a deeper dive. And today's subject is, uh, well, teaching and education. In order to do that, uh, we have the man who I think would have been, for me, would have been a fantastic teacher for me, <laughs> and who I imagine is a very good teacher. He is also a singer-songwriter. He is the Bob Dylan of Bungie, and uh, a teacher and an educator. He is Asmil Yunor. Hi, come. Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, before we uh, take a deep dive into uh, teaching, etc., I just want to double check something. Producer Ali tells me that you have made it compulsory for your students to go and see your gigs. I- is this true? I recommend them. Okay. But it's tough. Don't force them. But those who come are pleasurably surprised or either they're freaked out. Like, is that the same guy? Um, <laughs> I, but I don't see a, I don't act like a lecturer or I act like a musician in class. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, I okay. recommend it. That's a softer word. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, so just let's just set up the um, parameters then. So uh, you're, you are a teacher, you're an educator, but you are teaching at what level? Okay, I always correct my students. I say we're not teachers in universities. We are lecturers. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. <laughs> good, good. So I'm, I'm, I'm a senior lecturer at uh, Sunway University, the School of Arts, uh, the Department of Film and Performing Arts. So... I teach uh, degree level, particularly um, people always assume I teach music, but I don't. I, I teach in the digital film production program okay. and also sometimes in the diploma in performing arts. Okay, so at your particular uh, university, Sunway, we're going to be talking obviously about uh, uh, mid- English-speaking middle-class students. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have uh, majority Malaysian students or overseas students? Majority is still Malaysian. We, we've been getting... A lot of international students coming in. At least in my in, in our school, in our department, um, it, it, it does get a bit diverse. I think that's encouraging. Right. Probably the last last couple, last half decade or so, things have gotten a lot more open. So um so that's the the uh, just to, to give us a basis for, for what we're talking about here. Now mm-hmm. I guess in a way I want to have a conversation that I would love to have had when I was say sixteen, seventeen and I was failing at school. <laughs> In order to be able to really just to understand what's this teaching education thing all about? What am I supposed to be doing as a student? And what is that person at the at the front of the class doing? What 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 are they doing? So, can I ask, Asmil, your 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 field? Are you creating the curriculum? Do you have a curriculum handed down to you? And is there like an exam at the end? So you're aiming towards something. When I when I joined this department eleven years ago. There was a curriculum, but I had to build on it. And I also later on, I actually co- kind of helped co-wrote the, the film degree that I'm teaching it, even the bit of the music program. So I do, I have been creating subjects, even when I was teaching just the diploma. So in a way, there was a steep learning curve for me, man. I had to like uh, understand pedagogy, you know, how, how to create learning, you know. Um, and also what came out of that was, I think it gave me an, a more nuanced understanding about about what not just higher education what education is all about because I, I was already teaching full-time six years but the previous university i was in it was all like there was a manual sort of you know it's it's uh i won't say easier but at least at least you had a map and it's a lot more clearer but it was exciting when i was in this new place because in, in some way because 
You see, when I was at Preview University, it wasn't a creative program. It's a communication program. So I'm being the creative guy. I was the one odd, out, one odd one out, right? Whereas when I came to this department, it was a lot more... I was surrounded by creative fellow, fellow creative peers, you know? So it was definitely uh, a lot more... I, I would say a lot more meaningful directly to what I'm doing. I started seeing the relevance of the stuff I was doing. People always say on the side. Well, to me, that's debatable. Sometimes that being the, the musician, artist part is, to me, in my mind, you know, that's the... That's, I'm always full time on that, but doesn't mean I'm giving this less, you know, mm. teaching, you know, but yeah, what is this educator, right? The, the guy, the person standing in front of class. I mean, I'll be honest, even though I had opportunity to study in Australia, I've still felt that I, I hadn't learned enough because honestly, with, with the benefit of hindsight and probably a 17 year old in yourself is that I think we all go in a university, especially if you're middle class, you know, it's, it's just a rite of passage, right? Okay, what do you want to do? College and then university and, you know, most are forced to do certain programs they don't want to do. Or sometimes you do, you get a lot of A's, you, you by default will fall into like a engineering or something, right? Whereas, um, at least in the 90s for me, I, I, the program I was, was in was a mass comm program, but I majored in journalism and film. Two fields that I had interest in, but what I meant by the fact that I share that thing, you know, I wish I could tell my my 19, 20 year old self, well, what this is all about. I think it's, I would tell students nowadays, you know, a lot of stuff you're doing in your degree program won't make sense to you now. It makes sense after. Oh. And, <laughs> yeah. I heard, yeah, Asmil, I heard that one. You won't understand now, but one day you will. Yeah, but no, 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 no I don't say in that way. You <laughs> will. I say sometimes a lot of people don't figure it out also, you know, um, because I think I disagree the idea that, you know, learning university has a certain utility that you, you, you're studying this to fit in an industry. And I know this goes against maybe the, the, the general norm. People think, right, you go you specialize in getting the industry. And we already saw that with COVID-19. I think you see a lot of people specialize and suddenly they're out of jobs because of this specialization plague, I would call it that way. Mm-hmm. But, but nevertheless, you still need to specialize. But also, I think this is where the educator comes in the picture. To leave that space to also develop skills that are uh, soft skills, we put it that way. I think that's most important. So for me, I, I tell my students, it's like, I want you to come out this, you know, this program, a better human being, you know, but, and of course, as- employable somehow. <clears throat> but Asma, can I, can I just ask though, it, I mean, is this a luxury that you have in your particular subject? I mean, if you're doing chemistry, engineering, you, you need to know. Of course, of course. Because I tell myself, if you if you if you're doing yeah chemistry or you know architecture, if you do it wrong, a building is gonna collapse or the lab's gonna explode. I always joke with them. And in a film program, I mean, the most you get, you make a really sucky film. That's all. You know? <laughs> so the damage is less, but nevertheless, yeah, definitely. I mean, within the human arts and humanities, I think there's there's a lot more leverage, but that leverage is not emphasized. Most of the time, I think um, even now, you know, being being the arts and humanities you're always the outliers it's not the glamour programs right because you're not necessarily being in bringing numbers but also you're not romanticized in in popular imagination about these fields right um what film filmmaking yeah it's not romanticized and glamorous not not if you do the open days at universities man i tell you as education (laughs) facts even like doing mass comms like i don't know what this is explain to my kid but i've seen a shift in the last decade i've had parents who who come and like Look, I studied hard so that my children can 
study what they want. And that's opening up. I got, I mean, I, and there'll be parents who say like, I want my child to, to, to at least get to study what they want. And I've seen that opening up. I think that's closer to my and your generation, parents who are yeah. that age. So there's definitely that opening up. Ultimately, I think at university is a, is, is a place where you learn how to learn. Asma, you just sort of threw that in, and it that to me was the key that I was completely lacking in my education, and I didn't even know that, that phrase existed. So, how do you teach learning how to learn? Let me put it this way, you know, uh, I don't think I mean even my experience of learning. You know, both my parents are academics, you know, but they they were in sciences. I remember the first day I I, I landed this part time job teaching, and my my dad just said, "Okay, you need a whiteboard and a marker." And good luck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so I kind of took the deep dive in. Sure, people say, yeah, the apple do- doesn't fall far from the tree. But I, I had never thought of this as, as a career path. I'm, I'm, I'm hardly ambitious in that way in terms of careers. I've always been more of the kind of go with the flow. Let's see where this takes us. But learning to learn, I think, is, is to put it simply, I think you've got to be given enough space to make mistakes. And I think that's we're talking about like let's say the current generation i think there's a lot of well not current generation i think just being young you know there's always a lot of this sense of um, insecurity right what if i do it wrong so, and i was i was like that i'm sure you were too you know <laughs> and the way i see it is that i don't think the best students make the best educators hmm. yeah. I, I gave myself lots of room to be wrong um <laughs> likewise same. <laughs> yeah nothing nothing but room to, yeah. to to get it wrong so asmil you're in a position of great responsibility i mean we we all of us we we remember our teachers good and bad and we remember things that they told us and that we just take to be a some kind of universal truth do you feel that i mean again you're in a you're obviously teaching a subject where you're 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 not you're making it up as you go along but you're creating the <laughs> curriculum you're i mean you 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 choose your words in the in the classroom, in your interaction, your pastoral care. You know, uh, you know these young people starting out in the world, probably the first, maybe the first time they've ever been away from home. Definitely, I mean, you know, it's similar to learning between you know being a being a being a mentor, academic, and student is something that is not as simple as customer versus you know education is now, right? Is but it doesn't fall directly into that. So it's sort of a hallowed place in our society and culture, um, the educator and the student, you know, and that's something that I think capitalism tries to infringe upon. But of course, the feel of academics and educators is a lot more gray area than, than black and white that way. You've got targets though, haven't you? Of course, targets in, as in like what? Well, you know, I mean, education now, it's it's all management-driven, target-driven. You, you got to get this many past the post, this many students and this many points and stuff like that, haven't you? Well, uh, I'll just put it this way. You know, in, in, in private higher education, of course, it's, it's, it runs by numbers, right? And it also hmm. depends on what programs you are in and also how much leeway you are given. I think that's, that's something, you know. And I've always been in private education from the start. So definitely numbers are there. It definitely is important. But it's not an end all and be all of everything. Uh, you deal with uh, who who becomes under your care, and I think that that that, import, that sense of responsibility was something that that struck me immediately when I started teaching full time. That oh, you know, yeah, um, I want to say they look up to you, but you have a like you said a great responsibility over 
pastoral care, the understanding, etc. And I'll tell you, I mean, when I joined higher education, I would say that was a period, uh, the 2000s was sort of the golden era of, of private higher education in my mind, because I just entered and, you know, all this, this education qualification bodies didn't have their claws into the system yet. There were a lot of mercenaries like myself, the part, full-time part-timers who were just doing different universities and we bumped into them when I'm signing out, you know. And then slowly, I think, toward the end of the 2000s, things get more formalized. And then you start understanding that, okay, this is, you know, being a part-time lecturer is a rock star. You come in, swagger, and you leave. But when you're full-time, it's, it's a different ballgame. you got to deal with administration. you got to deal with the other stuff, the unsexy stuff. But I found that I have a place in that. I, I, I want to learn about those things too. You know, like, how do I understand structures and you know commerce and stuff and those things appear whether you like it or not that was great but of course the, the thing about educator is that you have absolute freedom within that four walls in your classroom to make the best out of whatever the curriculum is and the the body of students you have and that's something nobody can touch well let's 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 um let's jump into that because you 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 had experience now and you have learned what works and what fails in teaching could you tell us what, what you've discovered works? Maybe it's just for you, or, or is it across the board? I, I discovered being a musician helps to really pour the eyes with students right away. And they, they look at me and, you know, uh, and they, really, they find out, I'm, they, they open up. I've had a lot of students come up to me and, you know, confide. And then I was, I was like, why do you come to me? So, so you're a musician. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, oh, cool. Okay. So... It helped the fact that, you know, I, I started also my, my so-called career in higher education in my late 20s. So generational gap wasn't too big, right, at the start. At least the first batch of now is, of course, they're like 20 years younger than me. But um, that helped. Um, but also my observations about looking at other, other lecturers, other, you know, meeting them, seeing them, hearing their complaints, you know. Oh, man, it'd be amazing what you hear near the water cooler, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of complaints come from lecturers? I can't imagine that. Never yeah. crossed my mind. Never crossed my mind that teachers existed after the <laughs> the, the bell went. They just sort of just disappeared into air. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good point, Iris. I bumped, bumped into a student in a in, in mall. <laughs> the student came up and said, Sir, what are you doing here? Like, the mall? Uh, I'm window shopping. <laughs> you know? It's, it's exactly that, right? Same thing. When I was in university. And, like, and, and then was there a, a look of complete disappointment in their eyes? Not disappointment. More of awe. Oh, really? It's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, as if like I'm I'm a kangaroo in uh, in in, a, in the tropics, you know? Like, what, <laughs> what is this species doing here? I get it a lot, and this is where like if they come to my gigs, I tell them to come because like you know I'll give you a different education that's free. Come to my gigs, you know? And you know they're most of the time blown away, even though to me I, I would. I, sometimes some, some performances they catch me is like, to me it was a very pedestrian show. I, I don't think it was my best, but they'll go like. Oh, because they've never seen a lecturer on stage, right? Because you always, like you said, is like your Nosferatu or something. Like, you know, after your class, you go back to your box and you lie down. Um, and that's what I found interesting because the, the lecturers who inspired me in university were, was this lady, her name was Tanya. She taught me like, you know, on those film studies 101. It was the first semester in university. And what really struck me was the enthusiasm. So she was apparently a master's student or PhD student, but this is back in the days of VHS, right? So VHS tapes. So she would edit 
she would have this one VHS tape and she played in class. And this was before PowerPoint, right? <laughs> Any of those things existed. And she would make an edit, the film she was talking about in class. I was really inspired by that. I said, wow, she, and it did really well in her class. It was downhill after that because the, <laughs> slowly the lectures got kind of boring. Mm. Um, I think I get my inspiration initially when I was part-timing was from stand-up comedy. People like, you know, George Carlin, Bill Hicks. I mean, these guys were, of course, off the wall a bit, you know, very left field. Mm. But this is where things like body language comes in, teaching, right? Mm. Um, well, uh, it, is, it is performative. No, let, 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 let's let's get into that in a moment. We we have to take a a, a quick break here, but uh, in a moment we'll look at things more from the modern student perspective. Here, as we're talking about uh, education and teaching with Asmil Yunor on a bit of culture on BFM eighty nine point nine, and we're back with myself, Cam Raslan, and Asmil Yunor on an in depth episode of a bit of culture where we're looking at teaching and ed- education. And uh, Asmil, before the break, we were we were just getting into talking about an aspect that I, I'm really intrigued by with with the teachers that I had. The ones that I remember were the ones who were, I think, good showmen who could really grip my imagination. I think the subject matter helped as well. It was it, it would be a subject that I would be interested in. I don't know if I could have had in my eyes a brilliant chemistry teacher. <laughs> Maybe it's possible, mm-hmm. but. But I think that the the performative quality of teaching is, especially actually in this time of COVID, where we've having you're having to have a lot of online sessions. Yep. It must be a pressure on the lecturer because you know some people can pull it off and some people cannot. Yeah, it's true. When I say as a lecturer, I probably don't speak for most lecturers because you know it's a bit different, right? Because the vicissitudes of my life as a performer. And writer and all this stuff. I've always had to adapt, and you know, it, so it's become second nature to me. So when teaching without the physical space, you know, because you, it's all lost, right? First of all, they don't know how tall you are. You're <laughs> looking through <laughs> Zoom, right? So um, one is going to say, "Oh, yeah, I like your class. It's like a podcast." So it's become that. But you know, by whatever means, I think you got to fit it in. But there was some, you know, some academics would. Lecturers who will record their lectures and play it. And to, to me, that, that's, it's got to be live. This is the performative aspect. And because that is a big part of learning. It's got to be interactive. And people forget, right? I mean, people, you know, that's tactile's way of learning. And tactile can also be about, about thinking. Thinking, to me, is a tactile activity. And, and how, do, how do you induce those moments in class? Um, it's also about listening, you know? Um, the old school way of lecturing is just droning on, right? Lecture just droning on and, you know. Um, but I think now there's a lot more emphasis on student-centered learning, which is great because it makes it interactive, make them things to do. And um, and you got to use whatever is at your disposal now because, you know, you, you have smartphones now, you know. Um, don't treat that as, I think, you know, if you're older, you might think smartphone is this disruptive thing to your class. But if it's so disruptive, make it part of your class, you know? What? Uh, How? You have like, I, mean, you know, I mean, you could have quizzes on it, using your WhatsApp as, as a place to, as a dis- depository for your notes or your lecture slides or share videos. So there's so many different ways. And again, because um, there's always a formal aspect of education. And I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm not training education. You, this is a, the kicker, right? Most... Most lecturers aren't trained to teach. No, not at all. Not at <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah, you're experts of the field, right? And you kind of learn teaching along the way. Um, if you if you if you study education, become probably administrator or school teacher. Um, 
but that's often something people forget. I think um, that that we're here just deliverers of knowledge. It's not just knowledge; it's the experiential aspect of learning, and it's that's really tough. It's not transferable between each individual lecturer. Could be you could be teaching the same subject, but but you know the the X factor is is the lecturer, and yeah. that's tough. Like, how is. do you how do you yeah how do you guarantee something, you know, um, that students get it. So for me, it's always about understanding the student first and foremost where they're coming from. And I've had a I've had a I wouldn't say luxury but pres, prestige almost. Like, at least my classes are small, my kind of programs. But if I'm teaching in a business school program where I have colleagues teaching like five six hundred students, so it, it's a different ball game altogether. So mm -hmm. I can only speak from from my own side of the. So uh, yeah, Asmil, you have the luxury of uh, doing an unpopular course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave it unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I really want. Actually, I want. I want to get onto this aspect. Um, I actually want this second half to be looking at the the students. Mm. And uh, you mentioned their handphones, etc. I mean, you've had students kind of in a way through several generations. I mean, ten years, eleven years. That that's students have changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you finding? Um, what What does the modern student want, perhaps compared to ourselves in in our day, but also in in uh, compared to students just ten years ago? What are they What are they seeking? Are they, are they seeking to be entertained? Wow, yeah, it's uh, definitely changed, man. I mean, I can only say, only say in this line of work, my clients stay the same age. You know, uh, they're, they're always of the age group. Um, it gives me It gives me access into into understanding youths of the present time all the time because they're always their age right uh but what they want you know i would say that one definitely the thing we talked about distraction and attention spans you know those things have changed because we forget you know um our our, our media cultures people always talk about the, the technology but we forget about the media cultures how how our daily lives and experiences are shaped by the media and you know and my background is media studies so that often gets overlooked. So if you have a bit of understanding of that, then you can leverage on it. So definitely, when I first taught, I first taught 2003. Wow, that's eight. Oh, actually, long. I've been teaching for that long. Anyway, yeah. Back then, I think there was there was one. There was less distraction in class because I was teaching using transparencies. You still remember those? Yeah. Um, so there were a lot more engagement in class, asking questions, uh, note taking. I, I'll, maybe I'll just not hone in on that. Students took, were better note takers in the past than they are now. Because now with, you know, the delivery method is, is a lot more direct, right? You can give them the notes, the slides. Is, but there's also the sense that, oh yeah, I have it here and I kept it, but I go back, do, do you read it? So that that's, that's changed. Definitely that because um, writing is a big part of 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 learning and you know they, that's always i realize i've come to realize that's a big part of what university life is about is the writing aspect you know, writing and research speaking of writing i i don't know if you have a lot of written work but uh, other lecturers i've spoken spoke to and teachers i've spoken to are saying that you know now there's just this growing kind of homogeneity and conformity with the written work that's handed in because it's cut and paste from the internet and it's all Wikipedia, and that knowledge is, you know, knowledge is finding. You you find the information. Uh, got that's, it. That, that, Paste done. That, that's not knowledge. I mean, that's just information. I think that's the big misunderstanding, right? That 
They, and this is a big part of the work. People know it's really unsexy. It's really telling students how to do research, where to look for, why is this not, uh, why is this, so, let's say Wikipedia, for example. I'll tell them, yeah, you can use Wikipedia, but don't take Wikipedia because Wikipedia is like an essay in itself. This, they reference somewhere. Go down, look at their references. That's somewhere you want to look. So a lot of, in my time here, even in the, the film program I'm teaching, even the performing arts, a lot of it was about the research writing part and students will always complain, oh, you know, I want to make movies, you know? Yeah, you will, but you're in university. A big part of university is about writing and research. And that's the, that's supposed to be the X factor why you're in university or else you can go out there in a big bad world. And I've had certain students who, who have done that and are really successful and they you know, kind of dropped out the program because they wanted to, for example, read scripts. They want to do things. I said, yeah, then, you know, you're in university, you have to understand the setting, you know. Um, that's the only way we can we can we can gauge your level of understanding. That's why the writing is important. It's a mediated form of your understanding, right? So a lot of the work has been about that. Really the un, un it's, it's not bit poet society, you know, it's not you jumping on a table and like, yeah, you know. So it's it's going through the papers and like, where's your reference for this? You know, okay, you know why you, you, you got to do that? You know, it, it becomes... Rep- it, but it, it's some of those sort of things that they should have learned before they came to university. Gosh, you know how many times we, we keep on telling ourselves, like, what did they do in the pre-university program? Didn't they teach this? But you find yourself repeating that. So, and it's not unique to Malaysia. It is uh, it's everywhere. I've spoken to academics overseas and it, it's just... Uh, I don't know what a generational thing or um, it's just a big part of just there's a lot of things that get overlooked, you know, maybe in the or they thought differently, you know, so. So that's why there's a lot of those those very dry writing and research subjects, because they must have the ability to be one is ethical. You're learning ethics. A big part of university to me is ethics is the unseen thing is the big elephant in the room. And also being, um, what was the word again? That that they use the term a lot, you know. That that rigor. They got to get get into that, and some students do. The good students do get into that rigor of 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 writing and researching. But are you creating people who are good at succeeding in university? A bit of both. They got to be such. To me, even the students just get by, and you do see some. Some students might not be academically inclined, but it doesn't make them necessarily bad students. It's always about intent, you know. They, and you know, there's various factors. Uh, but let's say a student who might not be, you know, not all A students, you know, really make it in life the way they did in university. But some, you know, it's a bit of a mixed bag, right? So you want them to have a balance, really. Yeah. Yeah. Day is real of that, you know. So like, okay, get a bit of. Uh, you gotta you gotta have some some grit to to that. You know? Yeah, uh, you know, Asmil, I I I've been telling myself all my life that the the A students didn't necessarily become <laughs> captains of industry, but they did. So, so something I, I really want to ask is um, extracurricular activities. Now you are an extracurricular kind of guy. Uh, you know, you're you're very dedicated to to your music. And you have been, gosh, I mean, like since like the beginning of time, but uh, I think that this is an area of contention in in formulation parents. 
but perhaps perhaps I'm thinking of older generation Malaysian parents. Perhaps it's changing. The idea that you know, you kids, you go there, you learn, you put your heads down, and and usually, if it's a public uh, university, go to a campus and don't think about anything else. And I'm wondering if um, if if you can give a, an argument for presumably for the extracurricular activities that are not necessarily designed just to look good for the resume. Uh, wow, yeah, it's very important, man. Because I always think that. The education in university is not just a classroom. It's the entire experience. You, you feel awkward walking the corridors. That's part of education. You know, how do you, how do you unawkward yourself? How do you sort that out? Even though I'm an extracurricular guy, I wasn't involved in a lot of clubs in university. When I was there, I was going out busking, you know, checking out gigs because I had this access, this opportunity, right? Study overseas. And, you know, you got to maximize that because I know there's a lot of Malaysian students who go overseas, but they just hung around themselves. They never go out. They hang out with other Malaysians. You might as not well go overseas, man. Um, their extracurricular activities are important. But of course, because you're young, you tend to get, I think, you get overexcited and you forget about the other responsibilities. And this is why I think the, the, the academic, the lecturer, uh, the, 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 the instructor needs to play a role, kind of curate it for them. Not necessarily create the things for them, but just check them out. Say, like, what are you doing outside? You know, Have that conversation. It's tricky because, again, there is a formal wall, right, between uh, being the lecturer and the student and, you know, that, that respect. They call you sir and all that stuff, right? You can break that down, but you also got to not go too far enough so that they can, they can understand who they are. I think that's important. And then we'll find out who they are better in the stuff they do outside the classroom. Yeah. And, and you know, nowadays, like my film students, man, they, 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 can, they can already freelance while they're studying because of the technology. With digital, right? They're, they're good at editing, for example, and they tend to do that. And sometimes that they'll be overloaded with freelance stuff. I say, hey, don't forget, you're in university, man. You know, get, get your priorities, right? Yes, it's great, you your stuff, but you know, the rest of your life, you're gonna keep on doing that, it's fine. But when in my time, in our time, you know, things were analog, there's no way I could have freelanced in film without abandoning my studies, right? Because you no. needed hardware. So see, the nature has changed. And I think this is where the entire system needs to also adapt. It's, it's tricky like, because the value of what the university is as an institution is something of the past, isn't it? And how, that, how do you maintain that, 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 that certain sense of like the, its relevance to the times now? And this is the big thing in, in universities everywhere around the world. You know, the academe is, is, is sort of having to deal with all these changes. Um, but the relationship between the student and the lecturer and that mentor-mentee state, has that one hasn't changed. Well, I'd like to touch on those two different things you're talking about there, you know, the, the, the change and the future. But for, before that, though, I want to ask about pastoral care. Mm. Um, you've been talking a lot about how you communicate with your students in ways which, quite frankly, are, you know, in my day, <laughs> not allowed. It was sir and... <laughs> Uh, Mr. You know, uh, I guess I guess you probably just go and say, "Hey, Kay, call, call me Asmil." But there, there, there are boundaries, and actually, the students I think themselves would like to know that the professor is the professor, and and then there are ethical boundaries too. And and I I have found in my conversations with uh, educationalists, you know, the places where they work are not really set up to have these conversations between the students and the staff. Yeah. 
you, they I, don't really want to. Yeah, I've heard instances in my previous place where you know lecturers were were called up, like saying, "I saw you eating lunch with the students. Please don't do that." So there's this corporatization of I think universities. And it's always academics need to resist that and also adapt, right? Because that's your power. That's your X factor as as a lecturer in the lecturer student relationship, right? And that's something none of these power structures can touch upon. And that's where the ethics come in, like you yeah. said, you know, because it's it's easy to just squander that, and you know, yeah. I think there should be almost like a you got to teach. You need a teaching permit. But I think almost like in the future, you, you probably need a license. Probably, I think all parents also should need a license. But anyway, because <laughs> um, it it is tricky uh, because I don't see this personally. I don't see this as a job. I see this as a vocation. I, I repeat this a lot because I don't want to just see this as a job. Because job is about me clocking in, clocking out, and you know I deliver, and it's your responsibility. Um, but maybe that's not something shared by some, you know. But it is different, man. And that's something I've come to learn, understand, and only be comfortable with after being it for so long. And I realize, okay, this is the, this is what, this is my calling. I can do this. Yeah, because you got you got a lot of students there who are going through a lot of stress. And and, and I I also wish I I was that. Lecture I could speak to when I was going through that. You know, most of the time I think with at least my generation of of academics is like when we're setting up programs or subjects or sense. Let's look at what what we wish was taught them. Most of the time when we're building curriculum, and we would insert those things in, like the skills that we felt wasn't taught. And you know, me doing my degree in Australia, I want to reflect back. Man, there were a lot of things that didn't teach me, man. And people think like going overseas is like great and all. Um, so you know, um. Nothing against going overseas. It's just the fact that you know, just being overseas alone doesn't make anything better. So this goes back to to us reflecting on that and trying to make things better. If I were a student now, I think that's very important. Putting ourselves in the shoes. Yeah. Um, and also giving reassurances. I think that's very important because there's several stakeholders here, right? There's a lecturer, a student, and his parents, and of course the university. Hmm. So you gotta you gotta find a balance between all. And that's why I think a lot of the work really is after after you've done it. Well, teaching becomes if you already been in so long. Teaching is in the fifth year. Actually, no problem. You know, you can if you know your stuff. So people always ask me, like, "Hey, I mean, no teaching today?" Like, yeah, no, teaching's fine, man. It's the other, it's the other stuff that you know you got to deal with. Well, uh, just for the last uh, last few minutes, then I just want to ask about the future because you uh, mentioned just now about filling in the gaps which you felt were missing from from your education and uh, improving there. So in a way, you are now making absolute cutting-edge education for the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> and 90s, so, yeah. But, uh... <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, a lot of change since then. We no longer have VHS. And uh, how are universities, not just you personally, but do, do you think universities can cope with, um, with the future? Which is so so radically different. The technology is so radically different from the the ones that we grew up with. Like you know, they, I think all industries will have to, you know. And people tend to forget, right, that higher education is an industry in itself. Because you always hear the the conversations like, oh yeah, these university students they can't do anything nowadays when they join the job, you know. Your university students should be trained to fit the industries. I don't agree with that. They 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 are learning the skills, but education is industry in itself. And I think it, it is adapting, it's finding ways, but at the same time, it's not this homogenous thing. It's not a block, right? You know, the, the, there's often the academic 
mix with management and the marketing, you know, and we all have different sort of ways of seeing um, what higher education is all about. But I think at the heart and soul of higher education is academics. It's like you go to a hospital, right? It's the doctors who are you're going to see there. You're not going there to meet any other person. So, so that's why I think it's very important. And this is where, for example, you know, I, I, I also put in my weight, try my best, you know, in, in some activism. You know, I'm part of some some NGOs dealing with higher education because I find that you know there are certain things that I think needs addressing that doesn't have a formal place and that's that's yeah. uh, that that's the larger picture so i think as i can speak as an academic we are adapting we are finding ways and i don't i don't speak for any other else, anyone else except myself as an academic and fellow academics out there because if you if you don't adapt man i mean you go the way of the dodo man so you you think that in 20 30 years time there will still be a thing called a university that It'd be looks different. Yeah? yeah yeah it'd be different i mean i you know I mean, even a modern university now looks different. I mean, Malaysia got university in shop lots, man. If you look at like the the romanticized idea of the university, right? It's all like Harry Potter stuff, you know. Um, it's definitely moved on. But I think education, higher education, universities will be. I think the relevance there is is in the what the stakeholders make it. I think that's important, you know. Mm. So you got to up the ante because again, people can say that I can learn stuff online now. What's the factor of me come um, as a parent sending my kid to university? So this is other stuff. This is like you said, the pastoral care, the soft skills. Mm. Aside from the stuff you can find on Wikipedia or YouTube, you know. Again, that's why I say those are information. But how do you mold that into knowledge? And that's why the university is all about. You know? yeah. This is why academics need to do research. They're not, you know, if you're just teaching, of course you you'll be a teaching fellow, but but to build the university, is, the heart of it is research. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, um, we've run out of time, though, Asmil. Unfortunately, you've just opened a door to a whole new subject that we, <laughs> we, we, we cannot pursue. Um, before we ring off, um, can I ask you, Asmil, do you have any shows, any gigs coming up, uh, any albums coming out that you'd like to tell us about? Oh, I've got a, I've got a show at a percussion store on 27 November, Saturday. It's part of the uh, serious play improvisational lab by the KL Experimental Film and Music Fest. So they've been doing this series for a long while and they had their first gig last month in October after the post-pandemic, right? Or not post-pandemic, we're still in the midst of it. So I'm have, I've got a gig coming up, 27 November, come by. Seats are super limited because it's SOP compliance and all that stuff. And um, I'm finally going to get get to go on the ground and promote my album, John Bungie Blues. I haven't had a chance. Yeah, tell us about the, t- tell us about the album. That, that came out recently, so so how's that going? It's going okay. People are um, ordering online and stuff. I've been working, uh, making, collaborating for the music videos, which is, which is great. And I'm doing stuff, again, I'm a bit of an outlier here, you know, against the grain of the so-called music industry. So I'm doing things that fits me. And I think this is similar to as an allegory to education and things that you you got to make it for what you need it for, you know. So I'm finding different ways of promoting it. Um, if things take the turn for for something else that we're 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 wholly unprepared for, then I have to adapt too. So so we'll mm. see. And so the name of the album again? John Bungy Blues. Okay, and you can find it online. Just type uh, in the Google machine. Yes. And and uh, are you uh, still teaching online, or are you back uh, live? 
Well, we're we're hybrid now, so so a lot of my lectures are still kind of online, but we'll be doing some 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 face to face, but limited, of course, because you know, see that that's why it's so important, right? That the physical aspect of, of teaching, but of course, it's different, man. It's not got to discard thinking how it used to be, hmm. and and face the brave new world and see what happens next. But again, so you have to innovate. I mean, you you. Lecturing without seeing your mouth now, right? A body looks like Optimus <laughs> Prime. You know? so. And thought of that, yeah. And your students, your students, because of the pandemic, I mean, a significant part, and almost the entire part of their um, course has been online. Oh boy, yeah. I tell you, man. There's there's some students who are, I think that like this batch now that I've never met in person, but they're already moving to the third year. So, but this is why it's important for us to have some hybrid sessions. I think it's very important. Because that's the human element, getting to know each other and, you know, kind of mentoring them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then they will meet you and they'll go, oh, my God, I didn't know you were so short. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They'll probably be solely disappointed. Yeah, you're so <laughs> tiny. I got no respect for you anymore. <laughs> Let's go back to Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, Asmil. I wish that you had been my teacher back in the day, although... <laughs> You should be thankful that you didn't have a student like me. Um, <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be talking on the panel again sometime. But uh, for now, thank you so much. Good luck with the album. And um, this has been Asmil Yunor and myself, Cam Raslan, on A Bit of Culture on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9. The Business Station.